This is the Adoptive Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. My name is Alex Fitton, and I am the host, obviously, but I just had to remind you guys that it's me, Alex Fitton. And today, I am going to bring you guys an episode with Jolene Smith. So Jolene is an adoptive mom, and in her life before adoption and foster care, she was a CPA. Now, she and her husband, Ryan, parent seven children, y'all, in their home, plus a 23-year-old foster daughter who is launched and on her own. She also works for The Call. You guys have heard me talk about that before. So she works for The Call in Northwest Arkansas as their database and finance coordinator. And she still does some contract work for a CPA firm on the side. So she's obviously very numbers-minded, very organized. So that's what we're going to talk about. We talked about organization and how we as adoptive moms can keep this train on the tracks while dealing with just the hardest season of our lives. She has this incredible gift to take problematic situations and see the big picture to find solutions and stay sane. And I'm so excited that she's going to share that wisdom with us here in just a minute. Before that, though, I want to remind you guys to rate and review this podcast. It'll just take a second and it really helps the podcast to rise up in the ranks and be recommended to more adoptive moms who need to hear it. Also, if you are on my email list, you got this episode in your inbox just as soon as it dropped. And if you're not on there, you're missing out. I have um, links and resources from my guests that I don't share anywhere else. I do giveaways a lot and just some really great information that is in your inbox once a month. I'm sorry, once a week. But um, if you want to be a part of that, which you should, go to theadoptivemompodcast.com slash email and sign up. And I think that's it. So let's jump into my interview with Jolene. Okay, you guys, I'm sitting here with Jolene Smith, and I'm so excited to interview her because she's really smart and really organized and... (laughs) (laughs) She's going to teach us how to keep our lives together. (laughs) So hi, Jolene. How's it going? Uh, Great. Um, That was a great no pressure introduction. (laughs) Yeah, no no pressure at all. Um, It's fine, though. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, Well, I am. My name is Jolene. I have been married for 16 years. My husband and I um, were foster parents. back in 2012 for a couple of years. And we fostered about 20 children. Um, we're also adoptive parents. We've adopted five children. Um, in my former life, I was a CPA um, and I worked as a public accountant doing audits um, of various different types of companies. And now I work for The Call as their finance coordinator and I kind of do um, contract work for CPA. Awesome. So yeah, you're like, you're like the missing piece. You know, we, we've interviewed all the other call ladies and you're the one that's always <laughs> avoided me. And then I was like, did you know? so you're here now. Yes. <laughs> I, 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 I am a little shy <laughs> about talking. 
in general. I like to be behind a computer. That's that's where I live. <laughs> that's awesome. No, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be great. You have a lot of knowledge to share, and I think that that's you know it's great because you keep the call organized. Um, which is, I mean, just talking about a nonprofit in general, keeping them organized and keeping books straight, like that's, I want nothing to do with that. That sounds really stressful, <laughs> yeah. but that's like right up your alley. So it's great. I think yeah. that every, you know, every adoptive mom or just every mom in general has different strengths. And, um, honestly, I think that with, when you, when you take adoption, you know, it's such an emotional thing and it's so rare to have someone who has a heart for adoption and who, also is a practical by nature. Um, and so I think it's really cool that you're both, which is why I'm really excited to have you on the show. But before we get into all of that, tell us just about your adoption story, your family story. Sure. Um, so like I said, we, um, we started out as foster parents, um, and we, uh, initially fostered anywhere from three to four children. I have one biological daughter when we started fostering, um, and she was four years old at the time. Um, when we, by the time we opened, I was actually pregnant with our second child. And I was just realizing, um, not too long ago that we've actually never just had two children. We went from having one children or one child to having five children, um, (laughs) all in the space of about five months. And I never, never had that experience of like gradually, um, working my way up to, you know, the ladder numerically. So, um, we opened again, like I said, when my oldest daughter was four and, um, I was pregnant with our second. And, um, at that time, one of our, one of our foster children, uh, his case, just a lot of, most of our cases all went to reunification, but his case in particular just did not work out that way. Um, so after he'd been with us for about nine months, we started looking at, for him. Um, it was a really, um, that adoption in itself was interesting in that we, we had another little boy that came to us at the exact same time, um, as our son Jay came to us and we fostered them for the exact same length of time. Um, but on adoption day, we adopted our son Jay and we, on the same day, we took our other foster son home to his family. So, um, that was, uh, unique painful and beautiful yeah. <laughs> at the same time. Um, and, um, also very rewarding. Like it's hard for me to look back and say which one of those events was, was the most rewarding because they're, um, very special in their, in their own way. Um, and it was, um, really amazing to see God walk us down that path of doing both those things at the same time and, and seeing those both through to completion. Um, our second adoption came later. We, after we adopted our son, Jay, we stayed open for another year and uh, did some more fostering. And then we closed um, for about a year and a half. And really, we just didn't have the the space. Like um, We wanted to be able to do more. And so we started um, praying about reopening in the future. And um, so that meant, you know, putting our house on the market and looking for bigger places. And this was all we thought, like, on down the road, maybe another year. Um, but it turned out we put our house on the market and it sold within a week. <laughs> so then we were looking <laughs> for a new house and, and we found an amazing house that had been on the market for over a year that had more than enough room than we thought we could possibly need for what we planned on fostering. And then the next thing we knew, there was a sibling group of four that um, that we had been praying for that was supposed to have been adopted by another family and that adoption fell through. Um, and so um, my husband and I both just 
had this moment of looking at each other and saying, we just need to continue to be faithful. If God sold our house and God got us this other house, then we need to continue forward. And if this happens, then, um, then it will be a result of um, just stepping forward in faith. And the next thing we knew, we had gone from, um, yeah, having just gotten used to having three children in the home to incorporating seven with the sibling group of four. Um, so it's been it's been quite a journey. Yeah, <laughs> rather fun. There was like, yeah, you're right. There's there was no, um, and there was no like gradual walking into having that many kids. It was like no snap, snap. You're seven kids all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, even with the house thing, it's kind of cool because you guys. I, I feel like I hear this a lot with adoptive families. They're like, you know, we'll just play with this idea. We'll see how it goes, and then God's like, no, no, no. Here it is. Here's the flood. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely our story too, but you, we don't have seven kids. That's insane. <laughs> I don't have littles. That, no, that insane. is true. You have, you have accidental twins, but not accidental triplets. Um, yes. it's still crazy. So yeah. So let's talk about that for a second. So you have two kids that are the same age, although not biologically related, right? Right. So actually, um, we kind of have three sets of pseudo twins. Okay. So even though they're like, um, we have one who's in junior high, she's going to be a freshman next year. We have two who are in the fifth grade. We have two who are in the third grade and we have two that would be in the same grade this year, but we broke them up. <laughs> so no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Um, so they, they, their birthdays fell just right. Like one of them has an August birthday. One of them has a July birthday that we kept one of them back from kindergarten and sent the other one. And so now they're, they're a first grade and a kindergartner. Nice. Um, so yeah. Yes. No, our uh, twins we, are, I call them frenemies and <laughs> their birthdays are not in any way on the cusp. So they will like for sure be in the same grade. And I'm just like praying for their teachers now. Cause right now they're in mother's day out in the same class and they're like, <laughs> they just feed off each other. I'm like, welcome to my life. Why do you think they're here? <laughs> like they just, yeah, I can only imagine having three it's, sets. It's, especially like our, our oldest set who are in fifth grade, um, are a boy and a girl. And so there's, um, they're both wickedly smart. So there's like this sense of competition between them. Um, okay. So your dynamic, so you have, like we've already discussed, you have, you know, you and your husband have been married for a while. You have seven kids. They're kind of all paired off. Um, only two of them are bio. So that's a right. lot. That's a lot of different attachments. Um, yes, definitely. so as as a CPA or as someone who is maybe more analytical, how has that worked for you um, having to f- have seven unique, well, we'll say five, we'll leave the bios out for a second. So having five unique attachments to different kids from hard places, how has that worked for you? Um, I mean, at times it, it's been a real struggle. At, aside from, like you said, my my practical nature, I also can be very distant. Like I'm, I'm not one to (laughs) present my emotions for the world. I'm not one who, um, seeks a lot of connection. And so I have to be very deliberate with my children and find those things, um, that, that we have in common and that we can spend time doing. And I think, um, the thing that I've learned the most through that process is, um, that it's okay not to do it the way other moms do it. Mm -hmm. Like, there, there are always things that are un- unique to you. And as we grow to, as we spend time together and as we grow to know each other, I know when they're telling me that they love me and they know when I'm telling them. 
Um, and it doesn't have to look like, like my sister for a little while, I had to stop following her blog because it was like baking Tuesdays and craft Wednesdays. (laughs) Those are not things that I can do. Um, but I can sit down for, um, and, an hour and a half and do Legos with Jay. Um, and he, cause he can focus on those things and that's important to him. And I, and I'm a great Lego person. I love quiet time with Legos. I can sit and read a, read a book with writer, you know, and I can, um, and I can do puzzles with the younger kids. Those are like, those are activities that, that we can spend doing together that still feed my soul for quietness, but, but establish relationship with them. Yeah. So you're like, I mean, you're like speaking to me too. Cause even though I'm, I could never be a CPA. Um, <laughs> I still like, I just, I don't like kids that much. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> so when they're like, come play, you know, some make believe game, I'm like, Oh my gosh, shoot. <laughs> like that is not my thing. I can read, I'll read you a book. Like I'll do that. Yeah. Or like, I'll watch a movie with you, but I am just, I'm not into the playing thing. And people always laugh. Cause they, I think that they assume that adoptive moms were just like, we love kids. So why not have a bunch mm-hmm. of them? But that's like, it's so backwards. I don't understand it. So you're like, you're speaking to my heart here because I totally I, get I that. I totally agree. Yeah. No, I'm not a kid person. No, like. <laughs> I, I like when we have conversations. <laughs> the older they get and the more we can converse. I, I appreciate that. Yes. No. And I don't, I don't understand the silliness. Like that's, I have one that's in a really silly phase and he's like, let me tell you a joke. And then it's just like a weird noise. And I'm like, that. <laughs> go work on it and come back to me because that's not funny. <laughs> let me tell you, I'm, I'm the mom that's like, let me tell you all the reasons that was not funny. Your, <laughs> your joke is missing some essential parts. Yeah. Uh, okay. So at church, I, I coordinate, like I, I work in the nursery or in the child, you know, child care or whatever, but I just am the one that will be like, do you need more animal crackers? Great. I will go and fetch them for you. But occasionally they're like, we really need you in a class. And I'm like, are you sure? And they'll put me in there and some kids telling a poop joke. And I'm like, that is not appropriate. It's not funny. And the other teachers are like laughing at the poop joke. And I'm like, you belong in this class. I do not. I do not. I completely get that. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm not the only one. Yes. I, actually, like, not, um, so if, like, if I have a, a craft, it's spreadsheets, right? I enjoy spreadsheets. <laughs> I like seeing things line up in the columns. And that is, you know, like, I'm, I don't want to go glue stuff onto wooden frames and make things, but I will spend a lot of time on a spreadsheet. But my oldest daughter, and this goes towards connection, my oldest daughter is very artistic and she loves to draw and she loves to create and she, and she's wonderful at it. And so her, her 13th birthday was coming up and I knew that she was going to want to do something crafty with her friends. She had mentioned it several times and I, I started having this anxiety that like, Oh my goodness, I'm going to have to come up with a craft and I'm going to have to supervise it. And I'm going to have to be there and engage and doing this. And, um, Brandy Shiyama, who, you know, um, she was like, why, why do you have to do that? Why can't you just get somebody who likes that to do that? And I was like, oh my gosh, Brandy, yes. <laughs> you're a genius. So I, I called a mom friend of mine that I know enjoys crafts. And I said, here's some money. You go to Hobby Lobby, you come up with the craft, you bring it over. I'll stay there and take pictures. I'll be engaged and I'll make the snacks. But I didn't have to like, I, why force yourself into a thing that you can't 
that you're not good at, that it's only going to lead to me being irritated and angry. Yes. Number one, because I can't, because I just get irritated when I can't do those things um, and steal from the enjoyment of her activity. When I can let somebody who loves it, who wants to help my family do this um, and have an enjoyable party. So I think like always knowing your limits and being willing to, like to do things for your children, but to also find ways to keep the, the joy alive in those moments without um, robbing it with your own anxiety. Yeah, no, that's some powerful advice. Cause I think that as moms, you know, we, we do try to do it all and we try to be something we're not, but as we've already discussed in this, you know, earlier in this pod, in this episode, um, there are a lot of us who don't have the strong suits that come along with, um, I don't know, with being an adoptive mom, because you, you know, we're, we're, we're inviting chaos into our house. Um, and many of us don't have the tools to deal with that chaos. So then we just feel like we're failing. Um, mm-hmm. and that's a huge reason I wanted, I mean, that's the main reason I wanted to have you on the, this episode because you are pretty organized. I know you probably don't think you're like the best at it <laughs> in the world, but you, you are like, you have, you have systems that you put in place. And I think that that's what a lot of us right. need are these are systems that we can maintain something, but it's creating the system that feels really impossible to us. So what are right. some of the things that keep you sane? Um, so, um, I think I should start with a disclaimer, um, that this is my personality. So a lot of these things will bring me peace that don't necessarily bring other people peace. Um, so never take on something that creates more anxiety for you. So I think that having things organized and having like a system brings structure and peace. And I think a lot of those things will, but maybe you're not a color coded planner type person and that's okay. Um, and also I'm used to, as a CPA, I'm used to counting my time in six minute increments and making every minute count because I'm going to bill that later. Um, and I, and I've had to, I've had to pull myself out of that when I, when it comes to planning for my family, because when you have seven kids, obviously there's chaos and you cannot plan for everything. Um, so some of the things that I do, um, Monday mornings are my, are my time with my planner. Um, cause, and I choose Monday mornings because usually there's nothing happening at school on a Monday. The only thing that we have to do on Monday morning is get the kids fed and out the door And there's nothing happening that day. I don't plan appointments for Mondays. Um, I keep Monday open and simple so I can recuperate from the weekend from having everybody home and just, uh, and focus that time on getting ready for the upcoming week. Um, And weeks are my chunks. Um, I don't try, I know a lot of great moms who can plan their, make their meal plans for a month in advance and they buy all the food um, and do that for the entire month, I do a week at a time. Mm. So I sit down with my planner on Monday mornings. I go back through the teacher emails. Um, I have a different color for each child and I, I write all in my planner what's going on that week. And, um, for me, it's not so much about controlling that week because at the end of the day or at the end of that planning session, I'm going to close that planner and, um, I put my hands on it and I just pray that, God will let me release that, like that if all those things don't happen, that I'm not going to be um, disappointed or angry, just knowing that not everything that I planned may come to fruition. Um, but the peace comes from knowing, like, I already know that Thursday is going to hurt in advance, right? Like, I have four appointments on Thursday. They start at 730 in the morning. The, the, pickup schedule is different on Thursday. And so 
I can grieve Thursday on Monday and be done with it and not go into Thursday feeling like Thursday is um, pushing me along. I already knew it was happening on Thursday and I don't have to um, have anxiety about how rough Thursday is going to be anymore. Um, some, uh, some other things that I like to do, um, is like on an annual basis, I do kind of an assessment because I really think that, um, your priorities show up in how you spend your time. And sometimes your time can really get away from you, especially when we have as many kids as we do, they all want to do sports and they all want to be involved in extracurricular activities. And so we have to be very deliberate about saying, you know what, um, what's important about extracurricular activities for this family with you guys at the age that you're at, cause you're not going to go to college on a, on a baseball scholarship. That's probably not going to happen. <laughs> um, is that your family gets to be at the games and that they're there cheering for you and that we as a family are, are encouraging you and, and participating in a sport together. So we don't let more than um, three kids do a sport at during any given season. And when they do that, they all have to commit to the same sport. (laughs) Um, And that helps us um, with scheduling and, and everything else so that we're not, um, if you sign them up ahead of time and you have pseudo twins, they will put them on the same team for you. And that helps a lot too. So that they're two of those kids, their practices are at the same time, their games are at the same time. Um, and so all those things come together. So how Um, do you pick which three or do they just, does it all just kind of fall into place? It's, it alternates. And also like, honestly, like, um, for our oldest Winnie, um, she doesn't participate in those kind of like, we don't sign her up for soccer and things like that anymore because she's in junior high now. So she can participate in those things at school. And so, you know, we're not going to sign her up for soccer leave. She can do track after school on Thursdays and Fridays. Um, and, and one of our children, like we also don't force them into sports. So one of our children decided she doesn't want to play sports anymore. She likes reading and doing math club and that's fine. (laughs) I'm not going to force you to go out and be in a math club. What? I said, why wouldn't your daughter be into math club? I don't know. Of course she is. <laughs> uh, yes, she is. She's definitely, she's definitely a little mini me. Um, one of them is. The other one is a wild thing that I have no idea where she came from. <laughs> um, but, oh goodness, where was I even going with that, Alex? I'm sorry. I totally interrupted you. Um, we were just talking about, so the sports, how you choose your three or if it all just falls in place. Yeah, that it. just kind of alternates. Yeah. yeah. And who wants to do what? Um, so we know like you got to play, um, spring baseball, so you're not going to play soccer in the fall. That's going to be the two little ones or, or whatnot. That sounds, I usually pick the littlest for the soccer. Cause I love the little three on three soccer the herd craziness. Where they all just run around <laughs> yeah. in a pack. It's so cute. That's see, that's something that causes me major anxiety because I am not, uh, I don't do well with being a chauffeur and I already, I have one kid who has a lot of needs and so i mean he has like mm-hmm. seven appointments a week and i'm already like it's too much yeah driving. no and i have my friends that are like we can't we have practice we can't we have practice and i am not looking forward to that season so no and yeah you can't you can't do that oh that's where i was going so the the sports was kind of a sidebar but we we do an annual assessment and look at our time because um we have priorities for our family that we that and by we, I mean my husband and I, um, that we've come up with and that we've prayed over and that are important to us. And so at, you know, on an annual basis, um, 
I will not show you. I will show you later, Alex, but <laughs> the spreadsheet that I have made, I do a color coded spreadsheet analysis of what I actually spend my time on. So I go through and look at like how much time we're spending at sports and how much time um, we're spending at meals and how much time we're spending commuting. Commuting is in orange because that's a big deal. How much time you're spending in your car. Um, and if I look at that and realize, you know, our priority was, um, making sure that we had devotional time with our children at least three nights a week. And now it's only happening once a week at max, then something has to give. And, um, because that's the priority and not the, the sports. I, cause I'm, I'm a little biased on this. My dad coached basketball for years and years at the, at the high school level. And, um, I just know that they're, you can take your kids to all the soccer games you want to take them to, and you can sign them up for the leagues that you want to sign them up for, but they are most likely not going to get a scholarship to go to college based on that. Right. Um, they're going to get, there's a lot of things that, especially that our foster kids can get scholarships for without going right. <laughs> the sports route. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, we've just prioritized other things. And of course, like if those things bring you joy and they are, good family time for your family and they accomplish the things that you're trying to accomplish, then certainly, you know, keep those things. But that's, that's where we look at our time and say, are the things that we're doing accomplishing the goals that we have set out for our family? And if they're not, then what can we, what can we clear out? And so one season we didn't do any sports because we had more, um, we had more therapy, um, during that season. Um, there were a lot of children in therapy <laughs> during that season and it, you know, the sports weren't going to, weren't going to help with that. Um, right. I so. feel like when we look at, when we look at our time, we're afraid, we're more afraid of what our kids will miss out on than the experience mm-hmm. that they'll actually get. And that's something right. that, um, I don't know, that's, that's advice that I've gotten a lot, a while is that, you know, your, your child will remember peace in your family more than they will remember that one soccer season or, that, you know, one activity that they missed. Um, Absolutely. And I think that, that we're handing them that. We're handing them peace. We're handing them stability when we protect our time. And so I'm so glad mm-hmm. that you started with time management. And if it's okay with you, I would love to post that spreadsheet on the show notes just so people can <laughs> Sure. And maybe you could even make it blank so people can use that. Um, it's, it's rather fine-tuned. <laughs> Um, of course and it's mostly for a visual, like for me, everything's visual. So I, I just want to see that those blocks in color and say, Ooh, there's where I'm spending time on myself. There's where I'm spending time with my children and also tweaking things. Like if I, if my goal is to spend more time with my children and I can't take out, you know, cooking and laundry, then somehow I need to be, um, incorporating time with my children into cooking and laundry. Yeah. Um, usually not cooking because that just adds a lot of stress. I like to be in the kitchen by myself, but laundry, I can definitely like. Me too. The kitchen is my, is my sanctuary. Yes. That's when I'm like, if, if Brian isn't home in time to like keep them out of the kitchen while I cook, then I'm like, screw it. We're just having pizza. <laughs> yes. It's not worth it. <laughs> exactly. So, okay. Moving away from time management, what are, what are some other just actual systems as far as like color coding and just all these things that would be easy for someone who's not, um, as analytical to, to put into place? Um, I, I think that meal planning makes a huge, huge difference. It's one thing that you can do differently. If you're a fly by the seat of your pants kind of person, 
that doesn't take a ton of time and actually reduces stress. Hey again, guys. I hope you are enjoying my interview with Jolene Smith. She's so smart, and I'm really, really excited about this interview. Um, Before we get back to it, I want to tell you guys about my Facebook group. If you didn't already know, I have the Adoptive Mom community over on Facebook, and it's just a great resource for us to join together, share our struggles, share our wins, and talk about the episode and topics related to it. Um, I have some other contributors too, and almost all of my guests are in the group as well. So it's just easy access to ask them follow-up questions or anything like that. So if you are not a part of it and you want to be, you're going to want to go to the show notes at the adoptivemompodcast.com and click on the link there, or you can just go to Facebook and search for the adoptive mom community. I really want you to be a part of it and I hope that you will. So thank you so much for listening and we're going to get back to Jolene. It's just one of those things that like when you get home at the end of the day, all your kids are coming home from school. I don't want to think about that. I don't want to be staring in my refrigerator trying to figure out what it is I'm going to feed my kids. And also when you have kids um, like I do who come from from traumatic experiences, they one of the things that always seems to accompany that is food insecurity. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't matter how many years they've been in the household. They they still worry sometimes if it's 310 and I haven't said it's snack time that I've forgotten about snack time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so they know that there's a calendar on the wall that says what they're going to eat that week. And they know what time we eat dinner. And I don't have five different kids coming to me and saying, mom, when are you going to feed us? What are you going to feed us today? What are you going to feed us? Um, cause that, and literally I have one child who would ask me, what are we having for dinner today? What are we having for dinner tomorrow? Have you thought about what we're having for dinner on Wednesday? Like it yeah. is a thing. That's real life. Um, and so it doesn't just decrease my anxiety. It actually helps my children's anxiety too, to have this plan for the week. Um, and that, so that means that on Monday mornings, when I do my planning, I look at my week, I know which days are going to be crock pot days because I'm not going to get home until, you know, five thirty or six. And I know which days I can actually spend behind the stove. Um, and Friday is always paper plates and pizza that's my day off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and they, they know that and look forward to it. Um, but I think at, of all the things that is like the one thing that really helps streamline the afternoons with the kids is knowing what we're going to eat that day and already having yeah. a plan for that. Well, and if I could, if I could interject with my own, um, I don't know, commentary on that because something meal planning, well, this is what I've learned. So I'm a one on the Enneagram and that says that I'm a perfectionist. I never feel like a perfectionist. (laughs) Recently, when I heard that perfectionists would rather take a zero than a C minus, and that is 100% true. That's why I don't Mm -hmm. feel like a perfectionist because if it's not like, if I don't fill out two days of my planner, then I would rather just not fill out the whole week because I (laughs) I have that too. I like to look at it and I'm like, well, I failed on those two days. So I would rather just fail the whole week than have those failures staring at me. So if I don't meal plan or if I have one, if, if Monday's dinner doesn't work out, then I feel like the whole week is lost. So what I've started doing is I'll just count out five meals because you're right. We have a pizza night and then we'll have like a leftovers night and then we might mm-hmm. eat out or something like that. So I'll just count out five meals for the whole week and I just bullet point them. I don't even assign them to days and I'll usually try to pick like two crockpot meals, but that way, just for me, I don't feel like so much of a failure if, yeah. I, if I screw up a day and, and 
whatever, because then I'm like, oh, I just have an extra meal I can carry over instead of being like, oh, but Friday's meal didn't work out. And that means everything is trash. Like, that's what my brain does. Yes. No, that's And that's something that that takes time and habit and practice to learn is letting go of those things. And that Mm -hmm. um, because when yeah, when you have three kids, it's easier to to hold yourself accountable to the each and every line item on your list. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of along with the meal thing, I, I may have a lot of things on my to-do list for any given day, but I try before I leave in the morning to say, what's the one thing that I want to accomplish today? Like if I don't get anything else done today, what's the one thing that will make me happy at the end of the day, if I've done that. Um, and then I have a second list of three. So like, if I get really lucky and hit the trifecta, if I could get three things done, what are those three things going to be? Um, and then yes, giving yourself grace instead of considering it a failure. Um, it's hard. Sometimes you just have to like remake a to-do list with all the things that you did do so that you can cross those off (laughs) (laughs) instead of the original list that you had. I totally do that (laughs) for that day. Well, and I like what you said about, about mourning the loss of a day before it happens and accepting it because that's like your Thursday is my Tuesday. And, um, Mm -hmm. and that's the day that I know is going to be chaos. I'm out of the house for a lot of the day running. I'm just chauffeuring kids around and I already feel anxiety about that day every week because I know Mm -hmm. that I'm going to have nothing left at the end of the day. So accepting the fact that Tuesday, I might not get a lot done. I think that that's important. Um, and I love that you said you close it and you pray over it because I, I don't do that. Like, that's something, this is why you're here. Like telling us these little things that you can do that will make your life easier. That's not changing your personality because anyone Mm -hmm. can do that. Um, okay. So beyond meal planning, how do you keep like their stuff from taking over your entire household and mind? Uh, that is a good question. (laughs) Um, so, uh, I was actually thinking about this as I was getting ready. Like, so I'm, I'm in my bedroom right now. This is my space. Um, and I don't know if you guys talk about Enneagram numbers on your podcast very much, yeah. but I'm my, my Enneagram type um, is known for needing that their own little space. And so this is my space. Sometimes my kids stuff creeps in here and I just throw it outside the door and, and close the door. So like at the end of the day, this is my space and nobody else's junk comes in here. Yeah. Um, then as far as letting it take over the rest of the house, I just kind of, like, um, this is funny. I, I have categories for rooms, right? So there's like their kids' bedrooms. I don't, I don't stress over, I know they're going to be messy and I make them clean them once a week and they may clean them haphazardly. Um, when they're away at school, I go through there with a trash bag occasionally and just get rid of things that I don't want to see anymore. Nice. Um, and they never seem to notice that they're gone. Um, but so kids rooms would be a priority three. That's their space. And if they want to live like pigs, then they can do that for five or six days out of the week. Um, I have like a tier two zone. That would be the basement area where they can have more stuff out, but not a lot that still needs to be cleaned up at the end of the day when they get done and by cleaned up like things just kind of need to be moved to the corners and there needs to be floor space so that we can sit down and watch our show right now we're watching scarecrow and mrs king that's our one show that we watch at night together (laughs) um and i want to be able to see the floor when i come down there yes 
Um, and then I have my, my zone one areas, which are our kitchen and dining room and our, our formal living area. And those things like throughout the day, if I walk through and I see something that does not belong in there, I'm telling kids, come get it now, come get it now, come get it now. Cause that's, that's zone one. Um, I try not to be too mean about it, but like they know, yeah, <laughs> um, not to leave their shoes in there or not to leave their coats in there. Um, so this is fascinating to me though. This, like I've never, I mean, my kids are a little young to understand it, but they're the perfect age to start implementing it. Um, yes. but cause we're at the age where, you know, they each have like one chore and they do it really horribly, but they're learning. Right. <laughs> um, and that's me as a Enneagram one. I'm like, just let mm-hmm. it go. Who cares if he doesn't sweep up everything? Just let it go. And I'm having to like chant that to myself, but their stuff is just everywhere and it's not just toys. It's like backpacks and lunchboxes and just like shoes and everything. And I think that's where I struggle is keeping it to where, you know, we recently, we took a mud closet and turned it into, I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. we took a coat closet and turned it into a mudroom. So now there are hooks that their stuff goes on and that relieves a lot of stress. But I mean, when they come home, do you have systems in place for like, no, you don't just drop your backpack there. You Yes. Yes. So I have, um, I just have two coat racks in the garage and I, and a shoe rack. And so the majority, their school shoes go there and like their Sunday shoes and everything are up in their rooms. And you would think that like, after having done this for years, that they would just automatically come home and put their things on those spots. But I still have to stand by the door when they're getting off the bus and say, (laughs) shoes on the shoe rack, (laughs) backpacks on the coat rack, shoes on the shoe rack, coats on the coat rack. Um, but I, that, that's our, that's our theme for right after school. You you don't get your snack out of the closet until your shoes are in the shoe rack and your coats on the coat rack and your backpacks on the coat rack too. And no, I better not see you just open the garage door and toss something out there. Like and you need to go place your shoes. Um, it also helps when you circle back around to the next morning. Um, because before we implemented that system, everyone was like, I can't find my shoe. Where's my shoe? Uh. Um, now we all know where the shoes are and we know where the coats are. And we know where the backpacks are. Um, so that's, um, yes, that keeps clutter from, because otherwise they would just kick their shoes off, like starting from the door. It would be like, drop this, drop that it, all the way from the door to the kitchen yeah. where they would be sitting down with their snack like that. Yeah. Um, all of our kids have chores um, and we do have an allowance system. And I, I did not receive an allowance as a kid. My parents were always of the mindset that, you know, we're part of this family. And so these are things that you do to be a part of the family. And, and I, I still agree with that. Um, so we have, we have some chores that are paid and some chores that are unpaid, but the nice thing about having paid chores is that it gives me something to take away. Mm. Um, because especially with older children, like you start, you need, you need things to be able to do to, um, to discipline them, you know, um, and correct them. And so money is definitely one of those things. Um, so, um, and there's lots of things that my kids can do. I, we had, um, our youngest child spent a couple days with some friends during, during the school week and, um, their kids are older and uh, they mentioned, um, when they brought him back, like, I, I did not realize all the things that my children were capable of doing until your kindergartner came over and just started doing them. Like literally, um, my friend was turning on the hot water for her second grader when he would take a shower. She's like, cause I, I just assumed that he couldn't figure out how to work the shower, but your son's up there like hopping in all by himself. 
<laughs> and uh, getting himself washed up and downstairs before everybody else. So um, th- I think learning that that your kids are capable of things and and then assigning them duties based on those capabilities really helps the whole household. And they learn that, um, like having the, one of the first chores that they do is wiping down the table and cleaning up under the floor. And we found that when we started that with the older kids and now they've moved on to another job that, um, that they eat more neatly because they remember how bothered they were having to clean up everybody else's mess. Mm -hmm. So once you have to start cleaning up all those crumbs and picking up under the table, you realize, you know, maybe I shouldn't eat like a slob. I should eat over my plate and try to keep my crumbs to a minimum. So I don't have to clean up so much later. Um, so that's kind of our third grade, um, level that they do every night after dinner is wiping down the table, cleaning up under the, under the table. And then the older kids are, um, loading the dishwasher and the oldest is our laundry person. Um, and so all their, all their, uh, responsibilities kind of are graded with their abilities. And that, I mean, I literally could not run the house if the children weren't also helping. Yeah. You just, you can't. (laughs) Well, and I think, I mean, you've, you've indicated something that I wanted to ask you about because I think that just our brains, whenever there's chaos or whenever something is frustrated or when there's no system in place, we get into this mindset that that's just how it is or that Mm -hmm. it's not, you know, you don't, it doesn't, it's weird because we're like adults with college degrees (laughs) still in our minds. It's like, you don't, it doesn't occur to you that you can change something or fix it. Right. Um, and so you were saying, you know, before nobody could find their shoes. So you implemented a shoe system. So what do you, what are, what's some of your advice, um, when it comes to that stuff, to putting systems in place or to just fixing something, you know, I recently, I was jokingly complaining about how loud my children were because they're just really loud. Apparently we produce really loud children. <laughs> um, uh, and somebody was like, here's what you have to do to fix it. And she wasn't being mean. I was like, but I, it was the first time I was like, oh, I can just fix it. Or like, tell them to not be so loud. And it's, I felt so stupid because I'm like, of course you can do that. Like children are pretty malleable. We know this, but it just never occurred to me to be like, you're being loud. So stop. So once right. I started telling them inside voice, inside voice, and that's like my recording right now, um, mm-hmm. they're getting better at it. Who knew? So (laughs) what's your advice there? Because I think that a lot of us just need to be reminded that if something's broken, you can fix it. Yes. Um, I, it's funny because for me, I kind of had to take an opposite role because there's so many things that I would like to fix. Right. So I have to prioritize the things that I'm going to fix. Um, but yeah, like the, um, and realizing too, that your kids need that and want that, like they want to be able to find their shoes in the morning that stresses them out. That doesn't set their day off well. Um, so finding those things that that can actually um, improve the outcome of the day and and not worrying about the things that aren't going to add value. Mm. So um, eating together is a priority for us. So obviously that creates a mess and we need a system for that. So like what, what is each child capable of doing that will help make dinner time go more simply? Um, and we do, um, uh, we do a buffet style at our house because we have so many people and some people have really short arms and we couldn't 
pass plates around and we couldn't, you know, pass dishes around. So we set it up as a buffet. They go through the bigger kids, help the littler kids. Um, that's one thing. Another thing that I've done is ask for help. There are nice teenagers at my, um, at my church who are, you know, who want to be helpful and can drive. And I let them help me with things. I let a teenager come over in the afternoon once a week and just kind of, um, play with the little people so that I know that they're getting some attention while I can work on homework problems with, um, uh, with the older children. Um, and so that, that was a system that, that I didn't come up with on my own, but I was kind of like you, I was like, I can't ever sit with the big kids and help them with anything related to school because I constantly have these little people running around needing my immediate attention. And I can't like, they just can't be left (laughs) to themselves. Um, I'm sure you, you know how that works. Um, and it wasn't until somebody suggested to me that, you know, well, why don't you just have somebody come to your house in the afternoon like that? But who would do that? Teenagers would do that. Teenagers that go to your church will do that. They will hang out with your kids and they will be sweet. Um, and, and you can actually spend some time with, you know, who you need to spend time with. So, um, being open to, to ideas that are, um, maybe would have previously been outside of your comfort zone, Yeah, I think is also key. Um, what's another system that we have? There's so many systems in place that I like have trouble identifying them sometimes as a, as a system, right? Um, just on another system saying, is you don't bring anything into the van. <laughs> <laughs> but just on what you were saying um, about about being okay with doing things that might have made you uncomfortable, you know, someone recently told me that as adoptive families, it's a lot of times we try to fit our lives or our family structures into a normal box because we see mm-hmm. what our typical family friends are doing and we think that we should be able to get on their level somehow. And that that's part of that morning is that we have to be like, that will never be our life. We just need to accept Mm -hmm. that. And instead, these are the things that we need to put in place so that we can stay sane and not, I don't know, not go crazy. So just, absolutely. I, I love what you said there. It's, it's totally like learning to be okay with things that your friend with two biological kids and that's it might not Mm -hmm. have to do, you know? (laughs) Um, Okay. So I think you have given us some really awesome things to think about and implement. And like I said, any, any other jewels of wisdom that Jolene has, I'm going to be putting in the show notes, but if it's okay with you, can we move into some of these closing questions? Sure. Awesome. Sounds great. So I'm going to filter a lot of these through our topic, which is just organization in general. So what okay. was one of the systems that you wish you had, that someone had told you about or that you had known to implement at the beginning of this adoption journey? Um, this this one's kind of funny, um, and it may be my personality type too, but when I was thinking about it beforehand, I was like, there's, I don't take unsolicited advice. Well, like all the things that I wanted to know about this, I, I asked people I respected ahead of time. Um, and I got the answers that I wanted. (laughs) Um, so it's hard for me to think of something that I wish somebody had just told me. Um, but I think, um, the shoe system would have been nice going in. Like, (laughs) and that sounds like a little thing, but it is when there's seven of them, that's 14 shoes. And 
it's a big deal. And you have girls too. So, you know, it's not just, I have girls and they have a lot more shoes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The boys are easy. They have a pair of tennis shoes and they have a pair of dress shoes. Um, the girls, goodness. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it's painful sometimes. Okay. So what is something you wish you had done differently? Um, I still wish, um, it's something that I'm constantly working on. I, I just wish I could be more open than I am. And I think that sometimes I, I don't give myself credit for how far I've come in that category, but I still recognize that I'm not as open as other moms I know or other um, parents I know, or even my husband. Um, but I, especially my husband. Um, but I, um, also want to encourage people to have grace there. Cause I'm sure that there are other moms that feel that way that they're just like, they're not, um, as in tune to, to just feelings in general. Um, but I feel like God has blessed our family that we have kind of like these two sides of the coin. My husband is very in tune to those things and can be very, um, uh, vulnerable in that way, in a way that I can't. And I think that um, we balance each other in that way. And I try to, um, not give my, it's definitely something that deserves to be worked on and needs to be worked on for the sake of my children. Mm. Um, but not something that I try to put myself down about all the time either. Right. Not shame inducing, but yeah, yeah. no, that's good. I like that. Um, okay. So what is a way that your tribe has supported you that you've just really loved? Um, my favorite thing, um, came from our second adoption and they, um, our church actually threw a, a shower for us. And, um, but the shower was all cleaning supplies. I like, um, we got so many boxes of gain laundry detergent that I did not have to buy laundry detergent for the entire first year. Wow. And that's saying a lot. Cause I was doing, I mean, I, you can imagine seven kids and two adults and doing laundry. Yeah. Um, all year long, I didn't buy a single box of, um, of laundry detergent for the first year. Um, and that is a seemingly little thing, um, to even think about laundry detergent, but it was a huge deal, a very huge deal. Mm -hmm. And every time I opened a new box of laundry detergent that I didn't have to purchase, I was reminded that my church supported us and loved us and was looking out for our kids. Yeah. Those practical things, those are like, those are priceless. You know, we think that that's not, it's not fun to give someone laundry detergent or whatever, but (laughs) it blesses them so much. Um, yeah, we got, we got a bunch of formula and that was one of those things that I was, I didn't have any experience with formula. And so (laughs) in my mind, I was like, I'll never have to buy formula. And it lasted, you know, like two or three months. (laughs) <laughs> but still I didn't realize how expensive formula was. And I was like, Oh my gosh, these people really blessed us. And that meant so much. So yeah, give your friends practical stuff. So on the flip side, what's a way that you felt misunderstood or hurt by people? And you know, it's always accidental. I don't think it's ever on purpose, but, um, our people want to know what, what is not helpful. Yeah. Um, I, I was thinking about this and, um, I think, Cause I always see it on my side too. Like what, what have I not communicated? And I think one of the biggest things when we went from having um, a family with three kids to a family with seven kids was um, 
that the things that we just couldn't participate anymore probably appeared to others that we had been close with that we were trying to pull away. Mm. And it, and it wasn't a pulling away. It was just like, I can't do those things anymore. Like, um, these are four kids with one of the things that's different about the adoption of the sibling group is that I, I fostered my first son for a year and I knew him when I adopted him. When, when these four children came to my house, it was almost like a blended family effect because they were a family unit and we were a family unit and we we're trying to blend those two together and we didn't know each other. Um, I hadn't walked their story. I, I wasn't there for all the things that hurt them. Um, and so there were a lot of, um, there was a lot of anger and distrust and, um, and acting out in various ways that we couldn't always anticipate or know what the trigger was going to be. And so it didn't make sense anymore to take all my kids, to take seven kids that I didn't know what they were going to do in any given situation and go to a friend's house, even if they've been friends of ours for years and have small group there and be able to concentrate on reading God's word downstairs, wondering if, you know, what was going on with my children upstairs. It was impossible. Um, and so, um, I, in the learning curve was now I, we've learned that we need to, we need to bring people here, but then it just felt very isolating. Like I can't go do those things anymore. And so slowly you stop being invited to do those things. And it's not that you don't want that community. It's just that you need it in a different way. Mm. Um, and so I would encourage anyone to like be thinking of how, um, you can provide community for a family like that, um, in a way that it's comfortable in for them and their children. That makes sense. Yeah. That's a really good one. Cause that's so true. And sometimes that that's going to look a lot different. I mean, just like what you said, but I know that, you know, as a, as an extrovert, whenever I'm bogged down or my capacity is eaten up, I start looking a lot more like an introvert and it's hard because mm-hmm. my, my people are used to me wanting to talk, wanting to hang out. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's not what I want. Sometimes I want them to just watch a movie with me or so I don't know, whatever, <laughs> but yeah, right. Being open to, to your friends changing. That's a really good one. Um, okay. So what is your favorite adoption resource? Um, honestly, it's, it's my, my girlfriends. Like I have a, a handful of moms that I'm very close with that have all, um, walked the same journey that I have. Mm. And, um, the biggest encouragement is having that network of friends to be able on days when you think this can't possibly have happened to anybody else, uh, to have some people that can make you laugh and say, Oh no, let me tell you about the time <laughs> it happened to be. And it manifested itself in this way. Um, that that's really my, my best resource. Yeah. You know, and you'd be surprised how often I get that answer. Um, I think that it's easy. It's an easy go-to for us to think of like a book or something like that. But so many people say it's their community or their people or friends or a Facebook group full of people or just whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that. I love that it points to community because that's in the end. I mean, that's what, how the church was designed. And I think that's, yeah. So you can't do this in a bubble. <laughs> no. um, okay. So Miss Jolene Smith, if you could sum it all up, when it comes to organization, what's your biggest piece of advice or encouragement to adoptive or foster families? Um, you, you cannot control it all. Mm. Um, and be 
ready yourself to ask for help. Um, the best, the best thing that I ever did going into foster care was to sit down with three families and tell them what we were doing ahead of time and pray with them for the kids that were coming to our home and saying, I'm going to be asking you for help. I need, we need you in this journey. And if you're willing to do that, then, um, take some time to think about it and come back to us and say yes. But like, if you say yes, know that, um, that you're going to be helping us with this. Um, and, and that for somebody who, who likes to be in control is, is a scary leap of faith, um, to one, recognize something that you cannot do to, to ask somebody else to help you do it. Um, and, and then trust that that person is going to do it <laughs> in a way that'll, that'll be acceptable, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> like, uh, just letting, letting go. Um, because, um, yeah, I was, I was meditating on, on some verses this morning before you called. And one of them was Proverbs 16, three commit to the Lord, whatever you do, and he'll establish your plans. You just, you can make the plan. Um, but at the end of the day, God's in control of it. And as long as you, your goal in that plan is to, is to walk towards him, um, that's the most important thing. Mm. Girl, you know, I had a feeling this episode was going to be amazing and it was, so thank Aww. you for providing that. But I think that a lot of times, you know, we can, we can talk about our feelings and those, that's great. It's important, but sometimes it, uh, sometimes we need someone to be like, this is what you do you know, and that's, that's amazing. So thank you so much for joining us and thank you yeah, for all of your wisdom and, uh, yeah, we just appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the adoptive mom podcast. I hope you found encouragement here. I need you to know that you are enough and you're doing a great job. We are all in this together and I am over here cheering you on. Don't forget to check out show notes for this episode and other resources at theadoptivemompodcast.com. Thanks for joining us.